friends, and welcome to your second weekly helping of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast, proudly brought to you in association with Manscaped. I'm calling this show Just What the Doctor Ordered. And on that note, Mark Heath, of course, your host, and pointing at himself correctly, Stuart Watson, how are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, I'm all right. It was exactly what the doctor ordered, was it not, last night, Stu? It was. I wrote the prescription out and... uh... (laughs) <laughs> not quite sure where I'm going with this analogy and the boys delivered yeah timely victory excellent and a man who should never be a doctor my friend and yours the hairy one Ross Halls how are you Ross we've just been down the uh the old boxing gym haven't we doing some yeah. uh some non-football related stuff which gets my my blood flowing my juices going um how's things though mate I'm very well, thank you. Um, yeah, we, we weren't boxing each other, obviously, because um, I'll, you know, I'll knock you out, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely, you've got a bad knee now. I could just target the just, knee and then boom. Just punch me in the knee, mate. I'd be in all yeah. sorts of trouble. Pretty much. But no, all, I'm all good. And um, yeah, last night was was very, very good fun. Although the journey down there was not good fun. Now, well, I know a lot, of, yeah, a lot of town fans experienced it, and it was not good. This is where I want to start because. You, the three of you, you were all at the game last night, but like the royal family now, you don't travel together in case there's any serious issue. We can't afford to lose all of you at once in one fell swoop. Um, but Ross, you had a nightmare, did you not? There were obviously problems that Oil Bridge was closed, wasn't there? Which is incredibly annoying and problematic when that happens. So issues on the A12 as well. And you sent me a message or you sent the, a message to the group chat saying you didn't know if you're going to make kickoff at one point. Yeah, there was um, there was that worry because um, yeah, obviously the Orwell Bridge was closed, and then the A12 was lovely and uh, closed as well. So uh, we were stuck on that. I think we got past Colchester Stadium as you do, and then you get to I don't know Stanway or whatever it is or Marks Tay, and we we're just mm. at a standstill for a long, long time. And I was getting different messages from different people saying, "Yeah, I'm currently still at Cop Dock. I can't even get onto the A12." And I know the supporters, coaches had a bit of a mare. I think a lot of people had trouble. Um, and there was that moment where I was thinking, I may not make kickoff here because, like the, you know, when you got the sat nav and it tells you the, the time, and I was like, oh, you know, it's seven o'clock, but that could easily rise if we don't, you know, move. But thankfully, we did move. We got to the game, and uh, what a night it was. But that was that was a nightmare. Um, Just shout out your driver though, Rossi, because you sent us a picture of um, the interior of your carriage, which looked um, swaggy. Yeah, very swaggy indeed. Yeah, shout out to, to Wazza and Joe. Joe is the driver. Wazza, you, you'll know his face and his hair from game day. Um, yeah, <laughs> Joe is, is the another driver to add to the list. Um, he also plays five-a-side on a, on a Wednesday and he's, he's a top man. And um, yeah, he, he drove us. And uh, yeah, we had to, once again, as I always do, do quizzes and all that. So that, that entertained us for a while. Then my Wi-Fi sort of dropped, so then I couldn't do any more quizzes. So yeah, but... um. We got there in the end, didn't we? And uh, as I said already, what a win it was. Mm. Stu, did you just cruise on through? I mean, you can go through traffic jams, can't you? You've got the, the what's the light on yeah. the roof. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. They just, just waved me through. Um, no, I, I was lucky yesterday. I set off, um, set off about lunchtime because I was going into into London to, to meet a friend um, earlier in the day. And I think I probably was one of the first cars that just about squeaked through at cop dock just as that was uh, unfolding i managed to kind of bump it up the uh the curb on the on the cop dock roundabout and got past past the lorries before it all started to back up so um yeah it didn't sound fun i saw various people arriving um looking pretty flustered close to kickoff yesterday and i think a lot of fans will have, will have cut it fine as well 
Mm. But the important thing is everyone got there safe and sound, as far as we know. Um, and as I said, it was exactly what the doctor ordered. We knew that town needed to start building some momentum. Um, we'd said that this was a huge opportunity for them with this run of games, uh, starting last night against sides that are in the in the bottom half. Um, and AJ expertly set up how this game may play out on, on uh, Monday's show when he said that Millwall start very fast. They are the third best team in the league in terms of scoring first and taking the lead, um, which is staggering when you look where they are in, in the league. But then they tend to crumble like a deck of cards. And this time, of course, they didn't actually get the goal. They started very fast. They, they were putting town under pressure. And we, we wondered, are we going to get that narrative again of town falling behind? We didn't. Town weathered the storm and then they started to turn the screws to you. And once they got that first goal, um, it was it was pretty much smooth sailing from, from then on then on in. Yeah, it was. It was a a game in which Ipswich had to show various elements um, to get the three points, ultimately very comfortably. But those first 15 minutes could easily have gone another way. We could be sat here talking about another game in which Ipswich conceded after 15 minutes. Um, Millwall won a lot of free kicks and corners in those first two or three minutes. And that just sort of set the tone and uh, ball after ball going into Ipswich's box. Um, George Savile seemed to get on the end of it multiple times, just picking up the bits and pieces, half cleared uh, balls outside of the box and lashed a few shots towards goal. Vaz made saves you'd expect him to make, but ones that on another day take a little deflection, shots through the crowd and go in, a bit like the Preston game. Um, and then there's a, a different sort of... Uh, shape to to the match there isn't there the home crowd are up instead of against their side and and everything's different but Ipswich got through that that first first 15 minutes um and I guess the first big turning point of the game was was when there was a little injury break and Amari Hutchinson went down in in the center circle sat down um a couple of minutes before we restarted and in that time Kieran McKenna and his coaches managed to have a, a long word with their players and once the game restarted, it's it's like they kind of figured out the puzzle and and there was no looking back. Yeah, I think that might have been tactical. Do you? Uh, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think it might have been. I asked uh, Kieran about it after the game. There was a little wry smile. Um, yeah. I mean, it was hard to detect what the injury was. He wasn't holding a particular part of his body. There didn't seem to be a huge, to my eye, much treatment going on when Matt Byard came on. He ran back on straight away afterwards and, and looked absolutely fine. So may, maybe it was uh, a little bit of, of gamesmanship from Ipswich just to take the sting out of those early exchanges to enable the coaching staff to get some instructions. Um, Kieran McKenna said that, you know, Millwall's pressing structure was a little bit different to what they anticipated. Their shape with uh, McNamara, one of the sort of fullback slash wingbacks um, playing a certain role that maybe they hadn't anticipated. So they got those instructions across to the players. We talk quite a lot about those instructions normally come across at half time, mm. and Ipswich can can improve this time. They were able to um, to get those instructions across quite early, and uh, yeah, from from that point onwards, it was a, an evening of, of complete dominance from from Ipswich. Should we talk about the goal then, Rossi? Um... I guess when we talk about the goal, we should, we should probably also mention the, the team because it was a bit of a surprise that Connor Chaplin was the one who dipped out. We thought when we talked about it on Monday that Amari Hutchinson probably deserved to start um, and speculated that it might be Wes Burns who dips out the side given that he's not been in the best form. 
but in the end it was it was Hutchinson playing the 10 and Chaplin dropping out um so your, your thoughts on that first of all and then obviously Hutchinson gets the assist for the, the first goal and I have to say I think him uh Burns and Broadhead were giving Millwall all sorts of trouble with their kind of movement and, sh- and shifting and patterns of play thought they were brilliant last night yeah, and um, obviously we had a lot of time in the car, so that was a, a sort of chat and discussion in the in in the in, on the journey, um, discussing mm. you know potential lineups and all that, and uh, that was one actually talking point we said. I, I give shout out to Wazza again. He actually thinks he thought Chapman was going to be dropped for this, and uh, okay. obviously he was, and um, so it wasn't much of a surprise. Obviously, Chaplin is, you know, he's a great player, obviously, but he's not been his his normal self has he the last few months. Um, and maybe it's an opportunity to give Hutchinson that start. And um, he was fantastic in that 10 role and um, just lively as ever. And yeah, obviously Chaplin is the main man, but McKenna has to yeah, has to drop players sometimes if they're not in form, stuff like that. A certain game, a certain you know team you're playing against, sometimes you want to have a different style of play in terms of a player. So, um, but yeah, Hutchinson getting that assist and him linking up with Broadhead and Burns. Uh, I, I put Broadhead to be top goal scorer this second half of the season, and it's going well so far. Two two and a half goals. Um, he could yeah. have got that, that third, but it was a known goal. Obviously, we'll get onto that shortly. But um, but yeah, Broadhead has been fantastic the last two games, and uh, yeah, it's good to see. I was going to highlight that Rossi because that obviously was your call. You said that, that Broadhead was going to be the leading scorer from here on in because he was he's going to score loads of goals. I think was your justification, and so it's proving. And that was a that was a lovely finish. Mm-hmm. Um, it was obviously a, a nice tidy cross from Omari, kind of whipped in, and then the little flick back header was uh, was a great bit of skill. It was indeed, um, and yeah, we don't really see many. I think Broadhead has scored a few headers, but not that not often. You normally just see a thunder thunder bastard from him or something like that. But um, it was good, and a knee slide to, to it. How would you rate his knee slide, boys? Um, I'd give it a solid sort of seven out of ten. We have seen peak knee slide at Ipswich Town. I think you're going to have to go some to beat the Evans. You need the right combination of uh, of conditions as well, don't you, for that? Um, but a great first goal, uh, Broadhead scoring, and then obviously he, he gets an assist for the second goal. Surely um, crosses in Wes Harding, the the unfortunate Wes Harding, as, as you have to say in football cliche, turns it into his own net. Um, but there was that period between taking the lead, Stu, and half time where Ipswich Town were absolutely dominant. Like it, it felt like Millwall did not know what was what was happening. As I say, the, the way that watching Broadhead, uh, Hutchinson, and Burns, they were shifting positions. Hutchinson was sometimes coming out to the right. Burns was cutting inside. Obviously, you know Broadhead likes to cut inside from the left. It was causing them all sorts of problems. Yeah, they they absolutely crumbled, didn't they? I think they looked like a side very fragile with confidence at, at the moment. Mm. In comparisons. Uh, on social media to sort of the, the year when Ipswich got relegated, um, that they start okay in games, give it a go, but as soon as that first goal went against them, as soon as the first action in the game goes against them, um, just just fell to pieces, really. Um, they looked at sixes and sevens, and you could see Ipswich started to grow in, in confidence as well. And I thought the dominance started before Ipswich even took the lead, to be honest. It was, say, from, from that moment that, there was that little break in play. You could mm. sense the first goal was coming. It did come. Um, and then, yeah, the set, the second really, uh, really at 2-0, I felt like there was no way back for, for Millwall. The home crowd started getting on, on their backs. It's a great ball from Luongo uh, over the top that leads leads to it from, uh, and then Broadhead's low cross. He, he probably doesn't, 
really pick anyone out with it with his cross and but Harding sort of sticks out a, a leg and ends up towing it in into the top corner and um we we say things even themselves out over a season and there was a couple of bad bits of uh, luck that went against Ipswich at Preston um I'm not saying that this is comparable luck because you know it's Ipswich made their own luck in terms of the way they they played but you know equally those little moments, deflections didn't go against them in this game and own goal did go for them in this game. Um, mm. and, and they were probably due that really. Um, so yeah, um, you mentioned Amari Hutchinson starting ahead of Chaplin. I was surprised that it was Chaplin that dropped out. I thought if somebody was, I thought, I thought Amari would start in this game, but I thought it would probably be Wes Burns that d- d- yeah. dropped out. Um, this is the first league game that Connor Chaplin hasn't started. Um, since Bristol Rovers on Valentine's Day last year. So he's a virtual ever present in the league. Um, so, yeah, Hutchinson in the number 10 role liked him. He was His movement was exceptional. It was almost like playing with two wingers at times because his yeah. natural instinct was to kind of pull over to the right-hand side where Burns is and they didn't really know how to deal with sort of the two of them over on that side. And it's just been a joy to see how he's developed in front of our own eyes this season. Um we talked in pre-season, early stages of the season, you know, exciting player, but is his decision-making quite there? Is a young player, doesn't quite know when to pass or shoot or, or do the right thing at the end of it. But game by game, he's just getting better and better. And, and the assist for that first goal was a probably a, a prime example of that. I think so probably going back a few months, he might have slashed at a shot there, but this time he, he teases mm. the ball in an Ipswich score. Mm. Right then, from a selfish point of view, uh, with it being... An 8pm kickoff and start deadline being 10 o'clock, I was desperate for them to get a third goal by half time because that meant that I could start thinking about front page pictures and even writing the star back page uh, and uh, with fully in the knowledge that they were, they were going to win the game and also I'd have a good range of Seve pictures at half time from which I could pick. And Julie, big Keith obliged Rossi. Um, I also want to highlight here Harry Clark, uh, his role in this goal. I thought Harry Clark was superb last night as well. Uh, obviously sets up gets to the byline, lofts it back across goal. And then Big Keith does, as you're always told to do as a striker, heads it into the floor. It's not quite as violent and brutal as, as the normal kind of downward head you see from a big man, but it had just the right amount of, of, of venom to kind of then bounce over again. I think it was Wes Harding, wasn't it? Who kind of can only watch it go over the top of his head. Um, so Big Keith, three in three games, Rossi. Yeah, he's on fire, the lads. Um, and was that his first ever win as a town yeah, player? First ever win in a town shirt across both uh, across both spells. He'd, he'd had thirteen games before last night, hadn't won a, a single game. So his his first uh, his first win in a town shirt. Um, what was it seven years between the two? Yeah, the two spells. So he's first win in seven years in a town shirt. Fantastic. Yeah, love love, love that bit of stat there. Um, but yeah, he's just he just transformed that that forward line. Um, obviously George Hurst is injured, but um, you know he's been fantastic. Keeper more, I just love watching him play. And it was a, a weird goal to sort of watch go in because it just as it just bounced up, and I didn't even know. I was I sort of was trying to follow it as as you do when I'm taking pictures. And I was just like, oh, it's gone in at first. I didn't know if it went in or not, but um. But no, fantastic, and he's he's just he's just there, and he he's just a handful. I, I'm, I think it was AJ who mentioned about the the head to head between two six foot five giants in uh, yeah. Cooper, I think it is, and um, yeah. and Kiefer Moore, and that was a good little battle, and uh, and yeah, that was uh, that's what you want, you know, your strikers to score from headers, and uh, yeah, three in three games, 
and that's what he's sort of been brought in to do: score goals, be a handful, and um, yeah, we can forget about his first spell because his second spell so far has been fantastic. Yeah, Sue, I know that obviously you like headed goals. That was it was um, not your customary have some of that smack it into the ground header. It was, no. it was quite, slightly more nuanced, but um, it, it was in terms of circumstance the perfect finish. Yeah, I'm not sure that's probably what was quite intended in terms of it. You've done what's, you know, as you said, what what you're told to do is is, is head the ball down. But I don't think he intended to sort of bounce it over over the top of the goalkeeper and and the defender. But uh, again, another little example of a touch of fortune, sort of um, going it which is way. But it's fortune that they created themselves with with the way they took the game by the scruff of the neck with the, with the combinations and the. The moves that they were putting together is a lovely one-two with Clark and, and Hutchinson. Um, we could we could pick out several players. We've highlighted Hutchinson. We've highlighted Clark already. Um, mm. But this was a night where you know pretty much the the whole team was on it. I thought um, so. Yeah, three nil in first half stoppage time, and um, that was that was game over, really, wasn't it? And I could already sort of get a sense that people were thinking, oh, you know chance to rack up a few goals here and second half could be good fun but time and time again we see it when a team gets into a comfortable position like that second half can be a bit of a damp squib the amount of times somebody gets five up six up and there's all the hashtag free the Ipswich nines and is this going to be the day and um it's just human nature that the team's in front just just eases off slightly the team that's behind goes into damage limitation mode and and the second half never quite lives up to it. And, and that's what we got um, in the second half. But, um, yeah, Ipswich just absolutely bossed it. Um, cruise control, kept the ball, popped it around, didn't create tons of chances, but they didn't need to with uh, with a long trip to Swansea coming up. Um, mm. And, yeah, Mill, Millwall, I think, just just wanted to, uh, to get off that pitch. Yeah, um, there was a wonderful stat, which I think you shared at half-time, Stu. We've, we've talked clearly in recent days and weeks about town not getting the rub of the green and and and, and things sort of going against them uh, and i believe there was a stat you shared on monday from the last few games where they'd had like 85 shots and scored five goals and had seven shots against and conceded um all of them or pretty much all of them on, and then, on target against yeah, yeah 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 and then last night at half time town were 3-0 up and they'd only had two shots on target which i thought was <laughs> yeah. a wonderful sort of turnaround of of fortune yeah, and and finish the game with with four goals and four shots on target. Yeah. So you could argue they've played in some ways better in some of the previous games um, and not not had the goals to show for it. But last night they were defensively solid when they needed to be. They were ultra clinical when they needed to be, and and they managed the game states well in in all phases really. So um, yeah, it was a good night. Good night all round, really. And, um, you know, the goals are great and the scoreline's great. This is the biggest margin of victory they've had all season. It surpasses the 3-0 win against Hull at Portman Road earlier in the season. But I think the thing I enjoyed the most was the clean sheet last mm. night, the way they saw out all those set pieces in the first 15 minutes. Um, and just throughout, really, the way they defended. Um, Cameron Burgess being back in the side, I mm. think, helped having a bit of physicality. George Edmondson can feel a little hard done by to have dropped out because I think he's been in, in good form. But there's no doubting that Burgess adds a bit of aerial presence at the back when some of those crosses were coming into the box. I think I talked a few when Kiefer Moore signed that I think 
don't underestimate how much he'll add defensively to Ipswich as well as offensively and being that sort of Daryl Murphy magnet to the ball when, when you're trying to defend uh, crosses and corners and, and Big Kiefer did, did a fair bit of that last night. And, um, you know, we talked about Ipswich being in cruise control in the second half, but it's not like I think they, they took their foot off the gas at all. Um, you know, they were desperate to to keep that clean sheet and there were some nice moments. There was, a, I remember, a Wes Burns charging back into his own half to make a tackle late on and um, Hladke claimed some really good aerial balls into the box as well. So, you know, there was a, there was a good amount of desire there to, to, to get that job done and see out that clean sheet, which is a big confidence boost, I think. Yeah, the commentators were cooing over the effort, uh, even with Town 3 and 4 and up, how much yeah. effort they're all still putting in into, into tracking back and putting their bodies on the line to preserve that clean sheet. I mean, you say it was a good night for everyone. I was absolutely fuming, Rossi, I'll be honest. When uh, Alhamadi went through, won a penalty, I said, that's outside the box, that's not a penalty. And uh, obviously then completely scuppered, completely ruined my bold and beautiful 3-0 prediction, which I was absolutely on the money on. And uh, then he goes and ruins it for me. I mean, some will say it's good for him to get his first goal. I totally disagree, Rossi. Well, um, my prediction was 3-1, so I was actually wanting Millwall to score. Uh, which <laughs> so um, Stu loved the clean sheet, but I was like, nah, just, just let him score. Come mm. on, let him score. So I get maximum points because I also said Broadhead to score first. So I was going to have, I was going to be in the money there. Um, but no, Ali Al-Hamadi nailed it. Um, great to see him score his first goal. And it's good to see a goal at that away end as well, because obviously all the three first half goals are on the other end. And, uh, yeah, of course, the fans celebrated those goals, but also you want to celebrate with the players right in front of you, don't they? And uh, he's becoming a fan's favourite, isn't he? Um, Ali, he's just... And, of course, he, he got the ball. He was given the ball um, by Sam Morsey. Of course, Connor Chaplin is the normal pen taker. But um, I'm always at that where I feel if you won the penalty, I think you should take it. Well, no, there is pen takers and there'd be, you know, say Cameron Burgess or maybe who else is probably not good at penalties. Uh, I don't know if Luke Wolford will be good at I don't know. I think you'll just, I don't know, crumble. Um, but, yeah, I don't know where I'm going here. Uh, I'm just going to let you speak, mate. I'm loving this. You're yeah. digging yourself a big hole. What's your, yeah, what's your thoughts, though, on, you know, if you win the penalty... I know once again you got that penalty, no. but no, no I disagree. I mean, surely the 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 point of having anyone from a set piece situation is because that's the best. What person if you're to on take, a hat trick? Though? You're on a hat trick. Well, maybe. I mean, but, there's certain exceptions to the rule, but yeah, generally speaking, you have a penalty taker because they're your best penalty taker, and they're most likely to score. Surely, true. Exactly that exception to the rule, and and like you say, a hat. Someone on a hat trick. I think that's maybe an exception to the rule. Sometimes you might pass it over to them. And last night was another exception to the rule. A young man who's come in, stepped up two divisions. You're three nil up, so there's no jeopardy on it. Um, as a big shout from the captain, and I think basically yeah. everyone looked to Sam Morsey and said, "You make you make the call here." Um, I think Leif Davis gets the ball first, uh, and then he chucks it to Sam and basically says, well, oh, "I don't want any part in this." And, and Sam, who I think played quite a big role in. In Ali, sort of coming coming to the club, and is is a big sort of um, cheerleader of his. Said, "No, go on, let him let him have his big moment in front of the fans," and um, and that was a big moment for him. And, and as Ross yeah. says, I think he's very rapidly becoming a, a fan's favourite. I don't. Sometimes there's just something in the air with a with a player. It's it's their personality. It's their character. I think people can see he's he's a big character, but he, he's humble as well. He's someone who's you know loving the fact that he's he's at Ipswich and I'm wanting to take his chance and um, plays with with passion on the pitch and so that was a massive moment for him 
Um, but also spare a thought for Connor Chaplin as well. I don't think he was particularly uh, happy with the decision. Um, you know, you've got to remember this is, he wouldn't have been happy sitting on the bench to start with. Um, we just said he's, he's, it's the first time in a year he's not started a league game. He's not had too many goals of late himself and Sunderland at home, but uh, I think that's one in, in 11 going into this one. So he'd have seen that as an opportunity to, to boost his own confidence and, I think there was quite a, an exchange of, of words between between him and Sam and Kieran McKenna had a, a long long walk with him over towards the away and end with his arm around him towards the end just ha having a chat. Um, I'm quite happy seeing that. That shows me that he's someone who cares. Even at three 0 up, he wanted a goal, and that shows you the hunger and the desire in the squad. And do you know what? I'm sure they'll come in today, and it'll all be forgotten about because it's such a tight knit squad. That's not going to be something that's going to create any issues at all you know in, in the cold light of day you'll, you'll see that it was I probably it was missed that though moment. Probably, you'll probably miss it <laughs> <laughs> so he missed one at Morecambe did he last was it last season or the season before potentially and mm. I think we got two penalties that game I think Lee Evans then took the second one um, anyone yeah. else you think can't score penalties Ross yeah. we're, we're ruling <laughs> them all out here at the moment uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't score penalty I'll crumble I think I'll crumble in that like in front of that away end I know you're winning 3-0 but uh, but no. seriously now on that note like um, obviously there was no jeopardy in terms of the game uh, the Hamlet won the game but having been given the responsibility yeah. and the opportunity to take the penalty he's not scored for town obviously it's his opportunity to get his first goal. Um, there would have been quite a lot of pressure on, on Al Hamadi when he stepped up Rossi. Um, and as much as I hated to see him hit the back of the net, um, it was it was a big moment for him. And, and um, AJ spoke to him afterwards and he said it's like a, a dream way of, of scoring your first goal um, and how much that meant to him. And also it speaks as well to the, the tremendous camaraderie and, and kind of sense of team that um, he ends up taking the penalty. Yeah, in front of the way end as well. Um, obviously, he came close to scoring in two of his previous games, obviously on his debut at Preston, and also Lily scored the winner, didn't he, uh, uh, on Saturday last week against um, West Brom. Um, but yeah, for him to step up, call as you like, boom, and he celebrated right in front of the away crowd. Great, and obviously the, the players loved it as well. And um, boys, another, another um, hot take from me, surprise package, you know, on uh, Ali Al-Hamadi. So uh, two this out of two fine. so far. Like that, mm, yeah. but um, but no, he's just I just I just love just I just loved him so far. He's just playing, you know, with, without any fear, stepping up two divisions, um, and the fans were just ch chanting his name, and um, yeah, I, I think it was just as you mentioned, I think he's just humble and he's humble. Um, he's had to go through the ranks, you know, he's had to drop down and come back up. So um, yeah, I think he's going to definitely be that surprise package, getting into the team, score a few goals, and um. Obviously, he can play different positions, you know, in, in that forward line. Also, of course, he came on for Keith Moore because last two games for this, it, it was sort of them two as a partnership. But he came on as that sort of lone striker and um, did did very well. I don't like him. He's bought his copybook for me. He's going to have to win me back. Um, Siri, Nathan Broadhead is someone we've spoken about a lot, um, kind of having his, his struggles and, and being out of form, which players clearly that's going to happen over the course of a season. But now he's... You look at the stats, he's now Town's leading scorer. He's got 10 goals for a season, hit double figures, um, goal and assist last night. Um, fantastic to see him coming back into form, Stewie. Yeah, form is temporary, class is permanent. Um, yeah, he was slightly off it over over, over a few games. Um, either side of Christmas, you go back to the Norwich game, he could easily have walked off with a hat-trick. 
um, and written himself into folklore that that day, but just didn't quite have his shooting boots on. Um, maybe there was a bit of a, a knock-on effect from that. I don't know, um, but he's not been the only one who's not quite been at it of late. We talked about you know Chaplin's dropped out of the team last night. Wes Burns hasn't been at the peak of his powers for a few games, so. It happens uh, individually, collectively over the course of a, a grueling season, particularly during the winter months where the, the games come thick and fast. Um, but yeah, I think I always felt that Nathan Broadhead would, would get back in and, and produce some clutch moments because that's what he's he's done before and, and he'll continue to do so again. So he certainly looked from yeah the, the Preston game onwards, looked much more like his old self. Mm, the double double is still on. He needs to he needs to start working on his assists now. Now he's got double figures. Um, I said a double double for him this season, so I think I think he's technically on three. Does that count as an assist last night, Stu? When you when you cross and it's an mm. own goal, it should do, shouldn't it? Good question. Yeah, it's led. It's, it's an action that's led to a, directly led, to, led a to a goal. Yeah, give him an assist. Dubious assist panel. Um, get him up to three at least for the season. Uh, and Stu, we talk about Rossi having success with his hot takes. Al Hamadi and, and Broadhead. You've also, friend, started your hot take pretty well. You said 10 games unbeaten. Obviously, they had to come from behind twice to uh, to, to to keep that going at, at the first hurdle on Saturday. But they've uh, they've made a very good start uh, away at Millwall, 4-0. I, I saw someone last night looking at the parallels between the run they went on last season, which obviously last season, Valentine's Day was the nadir, wasn't it? The nil-nil, yeah. where things felt like they were sort of starting to go the wrong way for town. And then they, they came back and won 4-0 that next game. But but certainly going to Millwall, winning 4-0. And then you look at the, the games coming up now. So it's, it's looking pretty rosy. It's remarkable parallels with, with last mm. year, really, um, <clears throat> in terms of the wins dried up. But the performances weren't, weren't bad. But the fine margins, a phrase I know you hate, just started tipping the other way. Um, for a little while, it coincided with I think Morsi served a suspension um, around Christmas time last year. It's happened again this year. Um, they missed a few players for injury during that period. I think Cameron Humphreys had a little run in in the side and and did okay. Um, but um, yeah, you look at it. Was it the two two the comeback two two draw against Sheffield Wednesday at home last year was a bit of a turning point, wasn't it? Two 0 down and they came back mm. to to draw that two two. You can draw some parallels there with with a two two comeback draw against West Brom this time around. Like you say, four 0 against Forest Green proved the start of the 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 charge towards automatic promotion. Four 0 last night and now again a run of games against teams in the mid to lower reaches, which was exactly the case this time last year. So, look, not for one minute am I suggesting that Ipswich can win 13 of their final 15 games um, in the Championship, because I just don't think that's realistic. But there's every reason to believe they can they can breathe some momentum back into their promotion push. And, um, and if they do, and if they get on a little run... It's going to put some serious pressure on the likes of Leeds and Southampton because all the pressure is on them. And the longer little old Ipswich Town hang around and refuse to go away, that's going to um, that could put put a few cracks in 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 the others. And Southampton and Leeds have got to play each other still. And the way the fixtures are lining up looks quite nice. As I say, it's a run of games, very winnable games for Ipswich leading up to 
that uh, Easter Monday home clash with Southampton. Um, so let's just see what the next few weeks have, have got in store. Yes, indeed. And listeners, at this point, I have to make a confession, a peek behind the curtain. Um, I have not made a plan for today's podcast because I've been out and about doing other things. This is flying by the seat of one's pants broadcasting. And Ross has just put a message in the group chat, just just asking very politely, are you going to play the clips which I've, I've set up in, in the system? So, uh, yes, Ross, I am going to play the clips. I'm going to play some of them. Shall we start with uh, listening to, to Kieran McKenna? We've talked a lot about the game. Let's see what he made of the win. Kieran, a good night for your team, your biggest win of the season, I believe that is. Um, hmm. How do you reflect on it? Yeah, good night's work. Um, good performance in some different areas. I thought our defending set players was really good. We probably had more against us than what we would want. Um, but we defended them really well, and, and that's always a big part of the performance coming here. Um, so that was good. I thought we were solid in, in free play, and um, we controlled large chunks of the game with the ball, created not loads of opportunities, but a couple of good ones, and were, were really clinical when they came. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, a good, solid team performance. Yeah, I was going to say, you had to show all sides of the game tonight, didn't you? It's, uh, people come away looking at the four goals scored, but... First 15 minutes of a fair few balls going in, into your box and stood up to that. You must be really pleased with a clean sheet tonight. Yeah, um, yeah. look, that can happen here because, you know, one set player leads into two, leads into three and every throw in deep free kick, wide free kick and, of course, corners, they're going to put it in your box and they're a big threat on that. So, um, yeah, there were some of those situations in the first 15 minutes and we, we needed to, you know, stay strong to that and defend the moments well and we've done that and that's a, a good step forward for us. And... Um, you know, once we got through that again, like, you know, once we took control of the game with the ball and uh, we were able to impose ourselves on it, um, I felt like we we were we were fully in control really, and we were able to you know change gears whenever we needed to and, and go through them as well. So um, yeah, I think uh, a good solid night work, and as you say, we needed to show the the different elements that we have and the different elements that you you need to win games in the championship. championship. Watto, we uh, we joke. We have banter about your fondness for using the term fine margins. I've noticed another term has appeared in your football vernacular recently, oh, no. which is game state. Has this, is it, has, this, has this come from, is this a McKennaism? Where have you got game state from? I don't know. Probably. Yeah, it's just probably <laughs> one of these things I've picked up through pure osmosis being around. Yeah. It's probably stems from coaches speak, isn't it? Sorry, everybody. So, right, I was just interested. I wonder if it's something that um, he started using and it seeped into you. Um, I like it. I've used it as well. Game state. Sounds sounds important. Right then, let's also hear from the guy we are just talking about, my least favourite town player at the moment, Ali Al-Hamadi, um, scoring his first goal. I said AJ spoke to him. Let's hear a little bit of that as well, shall we? Yeah, amazing. Um, just said to the land boys, that's uh, exactly how you, how you probably dream of getting your first goal in front of the pack the way in. So, yeah, just buzzing and... Um, yeah, what a performance from the boys and a step for us back in, in the right direction for what we want what we want to do. Obviously, a pen take is a pen taker, but uh, yeah, no, I skipped something else in the moment. <laughs> just said, you know, give it to them, let them get their goal. So, yeah, when you take off the pen take, you've got to be prepared to, to make sure you score. So, uh, yeah, just nah, Chap is, is a good guy and he was, uh, he was buzzing for me after it. Whatever club I've been at, I've um, built a, a good connection with a fan that I think I, I'm a player that just wears my heart on my sleeve and, and you know, I'm passionate. I'm, I'm, willing to run around and, and give my all for the team so um yeah it's been a, it's been a good start and hopefully uh, just just carry it on now, on now. Shall we talk a little bit about 
Ali Alhamadi. We've talked a lot about Kiefer Moore. Clearly, he's taken the headlines in that he scored three and three, and he had that huge impact on his debut. Ali Alhamadi, a different sort of narrative, really. Obviously, more we know, a Premier League player. Alhamadi's stepping up from League Two. Um, Ross, clearly, you've said he looked very exciting so far. Um, in terms of the kind of brief cameo so far, have you, have you seen enough evidence that you think that he can make that that jump and not only make the jump, but also be a an impactful player at this level and even even higher? You know, it's still early days, obviously, but yeah. um, th- those three cameos so far have been impressive. You know, he, sh- he just works his nuts off. He actually said that in his interview. He just, the last 12 months, he's been working his nuts off because he obviously left Swansea, which of course he'll be returning to Swansea this weekend. He was part of, you know, his scholarship there. I think he had a pro deal there. Then went to Wickham, couldn't really get into the team, goes to Wimbledon and has had one hell of a year, you know, scoring goals for them, scoring goals in League Two. Obviously, he's a big step up, but there's players have been able to do that before and um, he's hopefully going to be one of those. And he's the first Iraqi to play in the championship, score in the championship. And I think he's also said he hopefully to be the first Iraqi to play in the Premier League. He's got he's just an ambition, but ambitious boy, and um, I think he's got all the attributes to be you know a fantastic player um, for this team. Akira McKenna obviously likes young players. He can you know really you know grow and improve, and um, you know he's quick, he's powerful, um, and just I think he just wants to score goals. And um, obviously that's what I like in a player. Just score as many as you can, and um, yeah, he just he just looks lively. And um, as I said, you know, I love players who are just passionate and they are they work one hundred ten percent. He is similar to sort of Sam Morsey. I think he just wears his heart on his sleeve and mm. just wants to to win every game possible and, and score as many goals as well. A shout out there to your lovely pronunciation of attribute, which I uh, absolutely loved. Um, Stu, what have you made of him so far? We've talked a lot about more, but um, Alhamdi also has, has been impressive in his kind of limited games, game time in game states so far. Game state. I wonder if anyone's ever worked their nuts off before. Has that actually ever happened? <laughs> Where does that phrase come from? Uh, I don't I'm going to Google it. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess his impact takes a bit of the pressure off Kiefer Moore as well. Um, the the vibe around Ali was, you know, hopefully he can have a short-term impact, but obviously it's a bit of a, a longer-term signing. And I think Ipswich um, saw an opportunity in a very uh, quiet transfer market where people weren't spending a, a lot of money and, and they've they've taken a gamble. Um, and, yeah, as Ross says, it's a, a small sample size so far, but um, there's every reason to believe that it's, it's money well spent and... Um, He's going to be someone that, that grows and grows with the football club. So, yeah, good stuff. I haven't been able to find the provenance of that term. So I'm going to play another clip. We're going to talk about, Al- we've just been talking about Alhamdi making the step up. So I'm going to give you a minute of Alhamdi talking about that. And when we come back, I promise, friends, I'll have found out where working my nuts off comes from. Or as uh, Nutson used to say, working my bollocks off, wasn't it? It's fantastic. Let's play this. I try and stay away from from social media, you know, like people like to create narratives and storylines. I think um, I just take it game by game, and 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 I'm just enjoying, just enjoying the step up, learning. Um, the boss has been brilliant with me, and, and you know, holding and what he wants me to do, what my part is in the team. So um, yeah, I love buzzing to, to get off the mark. Definitely, um, you know, I've got some alongside me and Kiefer, who's been at the top is at the top level and, and I can learn a lot from him so I'm just trying to soak in as much as possible as well. I'm confident in my ability, you know, it was never something that I was gonna back down to or 
Um, no, there's been many strikers performing who've made a step up um, in, in recent years. It's not it's not something that's uncommon for players to play in, in low leagues. I think you know most of our chain room has played in League One, League Two. So, um, like I said, it's it's storylines and narratives sometimes, and yeah, you know, it's cool. That's what the fans speak about, and it's the pop talk and stuff. But no, <laughs> for me, it's just genuinely, I just I don't think about it like that. I just try and take a game by game. At the end of the day, it's still 11 v 11 on a football pitch, so um, that's how I treat it every game, every game. Seems to be linked to the term laughing one's ass off. Um, <laughs> seems to be linked. Um, and I think they've developed over time suggestion that it's come from Dickens in some way related to, to Mark Twain as well. I'm going to do some further research on this because I, f- I find the origin of terms and words very interesting because I'm a massive words geek. Anyway, um, I'll look further into that. Friends, uh, we should also mention, are there any other notes before we move on from last night? Stewie, Rossi, that you just want to highlight any other any further performances or things you like, things you didn't like? I have a question for you both. Ooh. And this is another shout out to Waza. He actually messaged me th- this morning and said, oh, can I just ask a question for the pod? Um, let me quickly find it. And um, he said, um, if there's room, can you and the boys rank this among the best performances of the season? For me, probably second behind Hull at home. So uh, put you on a spot here. Where, where do you rank this? Is this one of the best so far or has there been... <clears throat> Other games where you felt, yeah, we we played really well there, and we we deserved the three points. Where would you where would you rank it, Rossi? First of all, because I I mean that that period uh, from what was it twenty to half time, I thought they were superb. But then equally, I thought they were amazing in the first half in the first game against Millwall. They were playing them off the pitch, weren't they? Um, there is a there is a, a difficulty when trying to rank these things in that the games tend to kind of all mush into one. Yeah. Um, and I'm never really sure. I mean, I literally have to watch highlights of a game that I've watched just to remind myself what's happened. Um, so, Rossi, where, where would you put it, first of all? Uh, it's definitely up there as another memorable away day, which we've had a few this season, haven't we? You know, we've had Southampton, we've had Borough, uh, Watford, um, even like Leicester, you know. And I know it was only a, you know, it was a 1-1 draw, but I felt we, we played well in that game. Um, Bristol City away as well, we won 1-0. Um, but the whole city game, yeah, that was against a very good whole city team. Liam Rossinia, you know, is doing a fantastic job there, and that was a just a, a statement win at Portman Road. But um, for this to be the biggest win of the season, four goals, clean sheet. Um, I know Millwall isn't a tough place to go at the moment, obviously because they're struggling. Um, but just to, you know, last night just felt like a just a clinical win where we scored goals, defended for our lives in that first half. Uh, in the first 15 minutes and uh, just a job done. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably rank it as, you know, probably the f- top three at the moment so far. Hmm. I think when I think about performances and, and games that I've enjoyed, I, I, I think the two Sunderland games I really enjoyed as, as spectacles. Obviously, the first game of the season when no one really knew what town were going to be in this league and they and they... Had to really weather a storm from Sunderland, and I remember sort of five ten minutes into that, thinking, "Oh God, this really is a step up." Um, and then obviously they find a way; they they score goals and they they get the, the first win of the season, make a huge statement. And in the second game against Sunderland, when the, when Chaplin scored the winner again, I think that was that was massive for the uh, the season and where they were at the time. Again, kind of showing their resilience. Um, so I don't know if, if I'd say performance wise, they're you know top. 
performances, but when I think about games and things that I've enjoyed, I think those two immediately spring to mind. How about you, Stu? I mean, when you were saying earlier, you said that maybe you think that Town have played better than they did last night and and maybe not one. So where would you rank it performance-wise? Yeah, it's hard. If you're judging something purely on the performance Mm. or are you taking into account the timing of the result and what it means for the season. I think you have to take into account all those sort of things. And for that reason, last night against the backdrop of one, one league win in nine going into it and what it could prove to be as a springboard going forwards would probably rank it quite highly. I still think probably the mm. whole game comes out on top in that conversation at the moment, but just because of the goals and the way the team performed and everything that went with it and the Ed Sheeran stuff at the end and so many different factors all went into that being such a special, memorable night. But um, yeah, it would be up there. I think, um, yeah, the, the back-to-back away wins against Middlesbrough and, and Watford was a, was a massive moment in the season as well. Um, so yeah, it'd be difficult. There's been so many good performances and and big moments and big wins to to come up with a definitive top five, top ten. I think would be would be quite the task. Yeah, uh, and and the fact that we're kind of struggling to 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 kind of rank them, I think, shows that what a good season it's been. What an mm. unexpectedly brilliant season it's been. Um, anything else from last night, Stewie? You want to mention? Good question, um, by the way, was it? Just to probably show a little bit of love to some players that. A small minority have been quite quick to sort of write certain people off, and look, us as a as a podcast and the stuff we have to do, we have to talk about players being in and out of form. But I think we always try and couch it in in sensitive and and fair terms about players being just slightly below their standards and things like that. But social media kind of takes it to the nth degree at times, and suddenly it's like this player is not good enough for this level anymore, and. Um, mm he shouldn't play anymore and he should be dropped and it can be quite cold and callous at times. And I just think this group has deserved more than that over a period of time. Um, We'll come on to some of the remarkable stats of McKenna's time in charge, I I guess, in a minute. But people that have been there for a little while, you know, we're talking about people like Burns and Harry Clark and uh, others. I've, you know, I find myself kind of rooting for those guys when they've had a, some comments like that sort of come come their way. And Clark was exceptional last night. Wes Burns, I thought, worked really, really hard. Um, I was disappointed actually that Sarmiento didn't take that chance because Wes teed him up a treat, and you could see how frustrated he was. I think he's keen to sort of add to his his numbers in terms of goals and assists as well. So. Um, I think it's just a reminder last night and that Ipswich do bounce back quite quickly from disappointing moments just to for everyone to kind of stick with this team um, because it is such a special group that we've got here at, at the moment. And um, there'll be other periods where there's disappointments and setbacks and uh, who knows how this season will end. But um, yeah, this is a special, special group that's been doing some special things for a couple of years now. So just got to keep enjoying it and, and cherishing it because, um, you know, you never know when these sort of moments will come to an end. Everything's all cyclical and we've just got to keep enjoying it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, another obviously important, very important stat from last night is Wes Burns broke the haircut curse, didn't he? He, uh, he got his first victory with his new his new look. So that's important. That, that lads can build on that going forward. And you say we're not too critical on this podcast, Stu, but we have literally just had, not too long ago, Ross saying that Luke Wolfenden can't take penalties. So there we go. 
Uh, I think say. he'd be a great pen taker because he's got ice in his veins, that boy. I think he'd... Uh, How do you reckon he'd take it? I, I wonder if he'd just be absolutely smash it. Or you no. reckon he'd be... Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, nonchalant. Yeah, just uh, a casual walk up and just just, a, just passes it into the net. Who do you reckon would, would be the, the blast-it penalty taker in, in town's ranks? Rogers. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Big Cam would just be. I've all seen power, it. Wouldn't you? I've seen it in pre-season. Was it somewhere like Felix Stowe or Needham Market? It was one of those games where they then do a little penalty shootout at the end, and he did. Uh, it was a bit. Um, do you remember Maguire in? Uh, was it in the Euros where he's just yeah, just absolutely laced it into the top corner, and Cameron Burgess did something similar. So yeah, he'd be a no-nonsense Julian Dix style penalty taker, David Unsworth, that sort of that sort of style, I think. I would worry he might try and head it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you've already alluded to it now, Stewie. Let's talk about it because it's it's a big it's a big round number, and people like to reflect on milestones. It was it, it was um, Kieran McKenna's hundredth game, league game in charge of Ipswich Town. So let's reel off some stats, shall we, and bathe in the beauty of these numbers. This is from our friend Carl Fuller, who I believe is currently churning out another book. Um, so he's put 100 league games, 202 points. So he's averaged better than two points a game over 100 games. That's mental. That's nuts. Uh, so played 100, 157, drawn 31, lost only 12. That's the four. biggest. Four. There's a few more coming, mate. Four, 189 goals against 86 and then obviously those points 202 just let me get to the end of these Stu, and we can we can reflect clean sheets 46 wins to nil 40 out of those 57 wins win percentage is 57 percent which is again obscene and in terms of those winning games those 57 games they've won they've only conceded 25 goals so there's a there's lots to unpack there as people say uh, but you're staying straight away, Stu. You're drawn to that lost only 12 number out of those 100 games. 12 defeats in 100. <laughs> it's pretty bad, isn't it? 12. They're all mad. They're all mad. I think four of them came in that sort of first season where he took over around December time and was kind of still get his, getting his teeth into things as well. Yeah. So that's crazy, isn't it? Anything that jumps off the page for you there, Ross? I mean, just averaging more than two points a game over 100 games. I mean, that's a huge sample size. Um, I don't want to go back over. We've, we've talked so much about everything has changed at town and what we've had to go through and the fans have gone through for, for years to get to this point. But when you look at those stats, it's extraordinary, Rossi. You're on mute, mute, old friend. Oh, dearie me. I had an absolute mare there. I had, had something amazing B, to say there. B for remember. basic. Yeah, very much so. Uh, but now, impressive stats. Although, too many draws, in my opinion. Too many draws. Um, <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> but no, clean sheets, obviously, is a big one as well. Um, obviously, the Walton, you know, run last year. Uh, but yeah, too many draws. But a few nil-nils in there. Definitely Bristol Rovers game. Still got scars from that. Um, yeah, very impressive stats. <laughs> Simon Cowell of the uh, of the podcast. Yeah, we've got AJ giving everyone fives and sixes on ratings. Rossi is, is dissing Wolfenden's penalty taking skills and saying that that uh, McKenna with those kind of otherworldly stats. Too many draws, mate. Got, got to be better. Got to be better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been extraordinary, hasn't it? Um, to reflect on that. And the next one, of course, boys, is another away game, and this one is a long, long old way. Swansea. This weekend, another team um, struggling in the lower reaches of, of the championship. Have you got 
it's always difficult to to ask you about these games because I haven't even thought about Swansea. I'll be honest. Um, clearly, they only just played last night. You got any thoughts, Stewie? As you, as you head to Swansea, other than that it's a bloody long way to go. Um, Swansea are in a bit of trouble at the moment, mm. aren't they? Another side. It's a run of games against teams that have played their that have tempted the, to play their get out of jail free card and and change manager uh, midway through the season. Um, Russell Martin went off to Southampton in the summer. Michael Duff came in, tried to make them a bit more direct and pragmatic, lasted less than six months. Now they've gone down the kind of route that everyone's going down and getting sort of young uh, career coaches that have maybe come through the sort of the England system uh, with Luke Williams. Um, I've got that wrong, haven't I? Luke Williams was at Notts County, wasn't he? Um, Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they've they've changed manager, so, so perhaps a bit different from when Ipswich played them first time around. But the bottom line is they've they've been playing a lot of uh, teams at the top end of the table of late, and they've they've been getting uh, they've been getting well beaten in those um, lost five nil and three one to Southampton, lost five nil to Bournemouth in the FA Cup. They've had a pair of three one defeats to Leicester this season, uh, and they got beat four nil at home by Leeds in midweek. So. Um, yeah, the manager's talking about them uh, wanting to play at a higher level of football and uh, sort of believes he's used Ipswich as an example of, um, you know, you can if you if you commit to a playing style and you, you can sort of beat the odds and compete against the big boys because that's what Ipswich have done. But they're, they're much, much earlier in the process than, than Ipswich are. And um, yeah, Ipswich will, will go there on Saturday. Um, Firm favourites. Hmm. Rossi, how are you feeling about heading to uh, to Swansea? How are you getting there? First of all, have you got a you got a, a got royal carriage? Sorted. Yeah, got lift sorted and all that jazz. So um, yeah, looking forward to going back to Swansea. I've been there for a while. Uh, lovely, lovely part of the world. Um, and yeah, the last time we went there was Paul Hurst's first and only ever town win. Obviously, Charles was it really? Is that the last time they played there? Yeah, That's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. We obviously, we, we haven't been to Swansea since relegation. So, um, yeah, it, looking forward to it. But, uh, yeah, Swansea very much in a transitional period under a new manager. And, um, yeah, Stu said they've been playing all the top half teams. So they have been battered by them. And um, this is a, a, probably a right time to play them. And uh, they've still got a decent, you know, squad. Um, but, yeah, can't wait to go to Liberty. I don't know if it's called that anymore. It's probably called the Swansea.com stadium, I think it's called now. Um, yeah, good time to play them. Jamal Lowe was probably their their best player at Portman Road earlier in the yeah. season. He's injured, so I think they're short of uh, of strikers at the moment. Um, obviously, losing Peru um, last summer was was a major blow for them. Amongst amongst some others, they're probably kicking themselves that they sold Morgan Whitaker um, last summer, given what he's he's gone on to do. Ryan Manning was a, another big blow for, for them to lose. So. Um, I think this is a decent little game for Ipswich to go to, and and they Ipswich go there with with a healthy Welsh contingent as well. Lest we not forget, Kiefer Moore, uh, former fans' favourite at Cardiff, will probably have a little bit of extra motivation in this one. Uh, Wes Burns grew up a Cardiff fan, used to go go there with with his family as well. He, he talked about being quite up for facing Swansea um, in the reverse fixture. Nathan Broadhead, another Welshman. I don't know if he's got any affiliations because I think he's from from North Wales, but. Um, yeah, so there's an interesting subplot there with uh, with the Welsh boys. Mm, yeah, 
time will tell. Uh, certainly a game on paper that looks, looks a good one for town. Boys, by way of wrapping up, um, first of all, Ross, you weren't on the pod on Tuesday, was it? I can't remember. Days blend into one doing this job um, because you were on your way back from Bath or you had been back from Bath and admitted you hadn't seen any of the game. How was your trip to Bath with your good lady, it was lovely, lovely bath. Yeah. I recommend anyone who wants to go. I know you. You said you. That's a. Oh yeah, I really fancy it. Yeah, you're very nice, very nice. But um, yeah, it was a lovely time. Um, although I didn't have a bath in Bath. Um, you didn't go to the Roman baths. No, yeah, we did. But I mean, going to actually the physical bath, like we had oh, a bath okay. in the hotel room, and I was like, I could have a bath in Bath. <laughs> no, I did do that. <laughs> Shout out the bath in Bath. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and the toilet and the shower. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was very nice. The weather was um, pretty nice as well. So um, it, it only rained at night time. So um, it actually hit the window. And I love the rain when it hits the window and that gets me to yeah. sleep. So um, that was perfect. But um, no, lovely food, lovely people as well. I bumped into you know not not you know Cowboy listeners, but just you know people who just you know just just go oh, hello and all that. Um, <laughs> <but> no, <laughs> it was it was nice. <laughs> That's an excellent review, and I very much enjoyed it. Uh, I also wondered, boys, I had this, this chat on Tuesday show with AJ. Um, it was Valentine's Day, wasn't it, on uh, on last night? And it, we, you all spent it at the den. Um, AJ had plans to, to woo his better half uh, away from the den. He, he revealed that he once took his his missus to the Rico Arena on a romantic a romantic trip and stayed in the in the hotel there. Rossi, you're a you're a great romantic. You're, you're slightly um, more advanced in terms of your your relationship with the your good lady, your your betrothed. Do you, are you are you going over the top Valentine's Day? Are you making up for not being around last night? Have you bought a uh, thirty five red roses? Uh, I'm sorry to say, everybody, um, I'm not that romantic to be honest. And the reason for that is our anniversary is pretty much the similar time as Valentine's Day. Uh, so okay. we've been it. We just go yeah, anniversary. We just you know it's near it. So. Um, but I'm just, I'm an easy one. I'll just go, let's go out for a meal. Nice, lovely meal. You know, a few drinks and we'll see where the night leads us. We oui. bet you will. Um, <laughs> Can I make what? a request to the listeners yeah. here, please? The... Ross's review of Bath there. If somebody can maybe transcribe <laughs> that word for word and then maybe mock it up in like a TripAdvisor style thing, because I, I think, think that will should... look excellent in black and white. All the Bath stuff, should... everything. I think we should clip it up and send it to the Bath Tourist Board. Um, say if they want to use it, they're, they're more than welcome. Um, Friendly I... people who said hello and all that jazz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stewie, I already know the answer to this question. I'm going to answer it anyway. You've been married like me for a long time. Yeah. Love has long since vanished from your relationship, I'm sure. Do you try and rekindle it on, uh, on Valentine's Day? <laughs> uh, well, not, not from the den, I didn't, no. No. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but no. Are, you, uh, are, you, are you one? Are you one for the old romance? Valentine's Day, no. We've We've made a I think as many couples do have decided to take a stand against the commercialism yes. of Valentine's Day. Yes. You can't say it throughout the whole year. I'm not going to have the man tell me I've got to go and spend loads of money on on flowers. Uh, I think I've said before my wife's a my wife's a florist and uh, course, so she's yeah. uh, she she doesn't she doesn't like receiving flowers. Uh, so that gets me out of that. But yeah, card and some chocolates and things like that. Busman's holiday. Just give us some money and go get yourself some nice flowers, love. There you go. Happy Valentine's Day. Maybe not. Um, friends, it brings us to the end of this wonderful podcast. We've covered 
the uh, fantastic win at Millwall, which was uh, just what the doctor ordered, as discussed. We've also looked at Kieran McKenna's frankly ridiculous stats in his first 100 league games. Uh, we've had a wonderful review of Bath as well from Rossi, which uh, I think may be the highlight of the show. Uh, and we've also looked ahead to the uh, the trip to Swansea this weekend. Anything else to mention, friends, before we, uh, we, t- we take our leave? No other business. No other business. For those of you also wanting a, a mouse update from Heath Towers, um, having revealed that we had issues, uh, I, I uh, arrived at my desk on Tuesday morning, boys, to, to find mouse droppings upon my desk, the little blighters. Um, so we, I'm currently engaged in a war with uh, with mice in the Heath household. Um, poison's been put down. We shall see what happens from here on in. But um, it's not something... It's ma- it's made me feel slightly uneasy in my own house, which I don't, I don't really like. I don't like the idea of them scampering around while I'm asleep. Um, so yeah, got to take matters into your own hands and and do what we can do. Um, look out for more updates from Heath versus Mouth Mouse next week. Um, again, another surreal way to end a, a podcast, friends. I hope you enjoyed it. We cover all bases on this show, and we do that just for you. Just to remind you to support our sponsors, use the code KOA and manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery on all excellent clubber there. Uh, and also leave us a five-star review on iTunes just because it helps lift our visibility in the charts and followers across all social medias. Obviously, we're we're pushing TikTok, um, which uh, young AJ is, is currently creating for us, but we're also on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. There's not going to be a fan social this week, is there, Ross, just to uh, let people know about that? Yeah, no fan social this week, but um, hopefully there'll be one next week um, because we got there's two games next week. There's Swansea and Rotherham. Obviously, we're back for a main podcast next mm. week, but um, but no, uh, yeah, certainly got other plans. So, uh, but we'll bring you one next week. Excellent, friends. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Enjoy the game if you're going. If you are going, well played. If not, follow it all with us, and we'll be back next week to talk about it all over again. We'll speak to you then. Mm-hmm.